the Proverbs, and then you can be seated. I want to continue the series on Steady Eddie. We're learning how to be steady in the things of God, steady in the things of the Spirit. And I want to talk to you today about the power of a disciplined life. How many of you wish you had more discipline in your life? Well, let's try that one more time. How many of you wish you had more discipline in your life? Seriously. How many of you know you should? We're all that way, aren't we? I'm going to talk about that today. I'm going to share with you the importance of discipline and self-control. Without it, you're in trouble. I'm in trouble. Got to have it. Now, in Proverbs 16, verse 32, and then I'm going to go to Proverbs 25, verse 28, two verses about self-control and discipline. He says, he who is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit. I want you to mark that phrase, underline it, color it in, whatever you want to do. But remember that that phrase, rules his spirit, is mightier than a man who takes an entire city single-handedly. I want you to think of the power of that statement. Show me a man who can walk in and take a whole city single-handedly. That's a mighty man. But the writer of Proverbs says, he is mightier who rules his own spirit. Now go to chapter 25, verse 28. And here's the same phrase. Whoever has no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down without walls. You're like a city under siege. There's no protection. If you're a man or a woman who has no rule over your own spirit, you're open game for the devil. Father, we thank you for the power of a disciplined life. And I pray the word saturates us today, changes us. And Lord, I pray that you will help all of us, beginning with me, to have greater discipline this year, because surely we'll come into greater things if we do. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, you better perk up and listen. This is for you today. Amen. Now, let let, let the impact of the Word hit you. If you have no personal discipline or self-control, you're like a city with no protection from the attacking enemy. You have no protection. Now, one of my favorite verses on this is in 1 Timothy 4, verse 8. And many of you didn't even know this was in the Bible. This is in the Phillips Modern English Version, but I love it. Listen to what it says. He says in 1 Timothy 4, 8, writing to his son in the faith, Take the time and trouble to keep yourselves spiritually fit. Take the time and trouble to keep yourself spiritually fit. Now, in America, we know all about physically fit. We're huge on that. They just opened up a new health club down the street from me. It was this huge building, and I thought, man, it's going to take them years to get that thing full. That parking lot was packed the day it opened. We understand physical fitness, but I'm not so sure in America and even in the church we understand the value of being spiritually fit, spiritually muscular, spiritually trim and slim. 
Listen to what he says about it. Bodily fitness, bodily exercise has a limited value. But spiritual fitness brings benefits in this life and in the life to come. Now, if we could take your spiritual man out of your body and cause it to stand in front of us as a, as a person, what shape would your spiritual man be in? Anemic? Healthy? Muscular? Vital? Is that what your spiritual man would look like? Because your spiritual man is exercised just like the spiritual man. Take the time and the trouble to keep yourself spiritually fit. Now, the last few times we've been talking about Steady Eddie and how to be steady in our walk with God. We've talked about where habits come from. Where does a habit come from? Say this with me. Every habit begins with a thought. Say a thought. Every habit in your life began with a thought. Sow a thought, reap an action. Sow an action, reap a habit. Sow a habit, reap a character. Sow a character, reap a destiny. You are today, and so am I, the sum total, for the most part, of what our habits have made us. If we have habits of seeking God, getting into the Word, going to prayer, staying in fellowship, staying in church, receiving the Word of God, chances are very, very strong that we're healthy. We're spiritually vital. We're not walking around dragging our feet. We, uh, we get up and we have a sense of the joy of the Lord, a sense of peace. We're having victory primarily over the temptations of our life. If we're spiritually healthy, it's easy to develop a holy habit. And I want you to, to remember that if you want a habit in your life, you, t- you sow a thought into an action. You decide you're going to have that habit. Bible reading, prayer, steady Eddie in fellowship, steady Eddie in church. What habit is it that you want in your life? What do you know that God is telling you to cultivate in your life? What bad habits do you know that he's been talking to you about getting rid of, shedding, laying down? And what do you know he's been talking to you about picking up? Prayer, Bible reading, spending time with him, turning that TV off and opening up the Bible instead. There isn't anything on that TV. Can I give you some news today? That deal has gone bankrupt. When is it that God is talking to you about what you know he wants you to do? If you want a new habit, If you want to become stronger in prayer, stronger in the Word, stronger in fellowship, I'm going to tell you how it all begins. It begins and ends with you. And you've got to sow a thought until it becomes an action. You say, I will decide to do this. And then you do it. And then you do it some more. And repeated action will cause something to become a habit. That habit begins to form your character. And that character decides your destiny. Where do you want to be a year from now, two years from now, five years from now, spiritually? Where do you want to be? Do you want to be healthy, prosperous, fruitful, mighty in spirit, prospering in the the Lord, fulfilling your dreams and your visions? How many of you want that in your life? All right, it's going to take discipline for you to get there. It's going to take discipline to do it. It's going to take self-control. Personal discipline and self-control are totally necessary to success in life. Totally necessary. The phrase ruling your spirit that we just read in two verses 
It's talking about having control of yourself in all areas. In every area of your life, you are under the control of the Holy Spirit. When we talk about ruling our spirit, the New Testament term for that is being spirit-filled. Spirit-filled means I am under the control of the Holy Spirit and not the flesh. I am under the control of God and not myself. The Holy Spirit is what is ruling me and guiding me, not my fleshly nature. I'm spirit-led and I'm spirit-filled. And if that's true of you, then you have rule over your spirit. Now let me give you a little nugget about self-control. You can be successful on the outside in many things, but without self-control, it will not last. If you don't have self-control, success will not last. I have seen so many people in 25 years of pastoring. I have stood in a pulpit for 25 years and ministered to thousands and thousands of people. And I've seen successful people come in, nice suit, Armani suits, beautiful dresses, successful, nice cars, nice houses. But I've seen something. If that person does not have rule over their spirit, if they don't have self-control, if they are not disciplined, they lose it. Success is gained by self-control and discipline, and success is maintained by self-control and discipline. You are successful within first, then without. And the Bible has called us to walk in self-control. Alexander the Great, we're always hearing about him, but you know what? Alexander really was not so great. Alexander became ruler of Macedonia at 16 years old. A victorious general at 18 years old. A king at 20. But he died a drunkard before he was 33 years old. Alexander conquered the whole world, but Alexander never conquered himself. The hardest thing you will ever conquer is yourself. Did you know the devil has nothing to work with if you have rule over your spirit? The only thing the devil ever capitalizes over us with is unconquered parts of us. That's the only thing he can use. When he finds something unconquered, he can capitalize on that. But if we have rule over our spirit, the devil has nothing to work with. Listen to Paul when he says about self-control. I love this. And you didn't know this was in the Bible either. But Paul says, I'll refuse to do anything if I think it might get such a grip on me that I can't easily stop when I want to. Boy, I love that. Listen to this man of God. Listen to what he's saying. He says, I will refuse anything. Even though all things are, are, are allowable for me, not all things are expedient. There are some things I could do, but I won't do them. Because I will not do anything that might get such a grip on me that I can't easily stop when I want to. So there are things you say no to just because you suspect that if you ever said yes to it, you might have trouble saying no to it later. So I say no up front because if I say no up front, it's a lot easier to say no up front than it is later when it's got a grip on you. Paul said, I will not be conquered by anything but God. I will not be ruled by anything but the Holy Ghost within me. Nothing will have the mastery over me but the master himself, Jesus Christ. That's what he's saying. And I like this. In another place he says, I fight to win. How many of you in here are in this thing to win? Well, that's pretty good. Let me have a better amen. That preached to me a little bit. How many of you are in this thing to win? 
I mean, we're not just playing church. We're not just putting on our Sunday best to come and show off our new clothes to somebody in some religious church. Uh Uh-uh. We're in this thing because it's a war and we got drafted when we got saved. We're in this thing because God has laid his hands on us and called us to a divine purpose. And we are not going to give up, bow down, break, or quit. We are going through to the finish line. So let me try it again. How many of you are in this thing to win? That's better. That sounds like an army ready to defeat the devil. I'm not just playing around, Paul said. I'm like an athlete. I punish my body, treating it roughly, training it to do what it should, not everything it wants to. Do you hear the voice of self-control here? He is saying, I don't do what my body says. I tell my body what to do when I'm in the lubies line and the dessert trays are coming up. He says, that is when I tell my body what to do, and I don't let my body tell me what to do. And how many of you failed this week? Oh, I know I did it. Fourth of July, we went out to George Dossett's. We shot off fireworks. There were more desserts there than Luby's has. And I kept telling myself, well, I'll just try this and try that, just to be polite to the people who made it. (laughs) I don't want them to think that I didn't like it. So I got a little chocolate this and pecan that and vanilla this and, and, and strawberry that. And I mean, you almost had to roll me out of there. And I found out that there is a difference between buffeting your body and buffeting your body. <laughs> it's not easy to do, but Paul said, I'm telling my body what to do and I do not let my body tell me what to do. That's self-control. If you're in this thing called Christian living to win, if you're serious about your walk with Christ, you've got to have discipline. You're going to have to have discipline, come under the control of the Holy Spirit to become steady Eddie in the things of God. One of the greatest compliments I ever received in my life, somebody came up to me after a Bible study and said, Jeff Wickwire, still doing the same old thing. And I knew him about 25 years before that. And they meant it as sort of a little bit of a cut. But then I thought, no, that was a compliment because they'd walked away from God. They couldn't believe that I was still preaching the Bible and still ministering Jesus to people because they'd walked away and, and weren't doing it anymore. And I thought, what a compliment. Yeah, that's right. I'm still doing the same old thing. And I pray that 30 years from now, I'm still doing the same old thing. My mind is made up. I'm still going to be doing the same old thing. I'm going to be preaching the Word, teaching the Word, ministering to people. I'm hooked. Jesus knew that self-control would be our battle when he said, watch and pray to win over temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Your flesh is weak. The spirit is willing. We can so easily understand Paul's words when he said, what I want to do, I do not do. And the very thing I don't want to do, that's what I find myself doing. Have you dealt with that this week? What I want to do, I don't do. I want to get up and pray, but oh, my body talks to me when that alarm goes off. It says, hit that snooze button. And you hit that snooze button 20 times. And there went your hour with God. It's quiet in here today. Can you say with me, discipline? Now today I want to challenge you to cultivate a deeper level of personal discipline based on the promise that it's going to bring blessing in this life and in the life to come. How many things can you do that bring blessing here and hereafter? He says, if you exercise yourself into spiritual fitness. 
It brings benefits here and in the hereafter. If you cultivate holy habits, sowing a thought to become an action, sowing the action becomes a habit. Sowing the habit shapes your character, and sowing your character decides your destiny. Now, the second thing I want you to know about self-control is that you've got an incredible helper in you called the Holy Ghost living within you. And did you know that one of the purposes of the Holy Spirit given to you is to give you self-control? Listen to what Paul wrote to his son in the faith, Timothy. He said, Timothy, why are you intimidated about preaching? Why are you hiding in the shadows? Why aren't you exercising your gift? God has not given us, Timothy, a spirit of fear, but he has given us a spirit, watch this, of love, power. Now, your Bible might say sound mind, but the Greek word is self-control. And the Bible equates a sound mind with being in control of yourself. If yourself is out of control, then you're not of a fully sound mind. Amen. Amen. God did not create us to be driven, pulled, and tugged, and pushed, and ruled, and tyrannized by habits that are fleshly, that rule our life. No. He said, I've given you the spirit of love, and the spirit of power, and the spirit that when he brings forth fruit in your life, it brings self-control. So when you're going down that Luby's line and you're headed towards that dessert area and you know that that chocolate cream pie is going to talk to you, you say, Holy Spirit, you are here to give me self-control. I receive the self-control of God right now. And you will suddenly find within you a power rising up to strengthen you to walk away from that chocolate cream pie. Because it doesn't matter what it is. When it's fleshly and God doesn't want you to have it, you're going to walk away not by might, not by power, but by the Spirit who lives within you, who came to give you self-control. And that's when you can do all things through Christ And greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And you can create holy habits. Can you say with me, discipline? Discipline. Now, there's a third thing I want you to know about self-control, and that is you will never be everything you want to be without it. You will never reach your dreams. You will never reach your aspirations. You will never do what God has called you to do without discipline. Now, I want you to hear me on this one. When I got saved, I was a high school dropout. I never got past the ninth grade in high school. I never went to 10th, 11th, or 12th. I missed all the English, all the math, all the history. When I got saved and spirit-filled, as an 18-year-old young man, I had no high school. And God spoke to me and said, I want you to go to college. And of course, I thought that wasn't the Lord. And I ignored him. And he kept coming to me. Have you noticed how God won't leave you alone? Have you ever been wholly bugged? <laughs> Have you ever been wholly bugged? He wouldn't leave me alone. And so finally I said, okay. I went and took a GED. But I had no, no 10th, no 11th, no 12th grade. None of that. And so I went and sat in class. And, and part of my deal in school was to, to look like I knew what they were saying. But I didn't. 
And one day my teacher called me out in the hall and she said, Jeff, I don't mean to, you know, offend you or hurt your feelings or anything, but do you have holes in your education? I said, more like space. I said, oh, you know, here and there. So I was just wondering because you don't know some of the things that everybody else knows. So the first couple of years of college for me was discipline. When everybody else went out to play, I studied and I studied because God had dropped in my heart a dream. I knew where I wanted to go and I knew to get there would take discipline. Now you can want something You can long for something, desire something, believe that God wants to do something in your life. But I'm telling you, 99.8% of the time, it's not going to happen without discipline and self-control. You've got to say, all right, this is what God has for me, and this is what I want in my heart, and I know it's from God, so I'm going to discipline myself to get there, and the Holy Ghost is going to help me to do it. And so I studied, and I studied, and I studied, and I caught up, and I graduated junior college with a four-point to the glory of God. Then I went to University of North Texas and started a four-year degree. And again, I ran up against a wall. Everybody knew things that I didn't know. And I remember I would go off and I would walk into the restrooms, go into a stall and just sit there because it's the only place private I could find. And I would pray and say, God, I can't do this. And he would say, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. I have called you. I will equip you. You will do it. Your brain will work. It is going to happen. So I went back and I studied. When everybody else was out playing, everybody else out partying, everybody else out living the life that you lived at college, I was burning the midnight oil and I was studying, and I got through, graduated the University of North Texas with a four point. Then I went for my master's and my doctorate. Now, let me tell you something. I would not be standing in front of you if it were not for the power of discipline. You have got to discipline your life. You've got to decide what you want, what is important to you, and then discipline your life to get it, and Jesus is there to help you. Where do you want to be a year, two years, five years from now? Think about it. You'll be there if you discipline yourself to get it because you will never realize your dreams without it. Now, let me give you a simple definition of discipline. Discipline is bringing your life under control so that you can do the will of God. Discipline is bringing your life under control so you can do the will of God. That's what discipline is. Bringing your life under control so you can do the will of God. Thomas Edison regularly arose before dawn and he worked into the night while working on the light bulb. He went two days with no sleep and that after 14 months of failure to find a filament that could handle electrical current. But he finally got it. And in a second story window, the failures reached up to the second story he had thrown out the window. The failed filaments reached to the second story, but he kept going, and he disciplined his life, and he finally got there. And every time you flip a switch and a light comes on, you can thank Thomas Edison's discipline, who said genius is 99% perspiration and 1% inspiration. Amen. Can you say with me, discipline? As I mentioned last time, Jesus arose a great while before day to pray. He was disciplined. He was a weekly churchgoer. He was disciplined. Daniel prayed three times a day at the risk of his life. He was disciplined. Nolan Ryan, who far outlasted his pitching peers and stepped into the record books at a ripe old age of 46 years, which is bizarre for a pitcher. 
He would walk off the field after a game. And when everybody else went home, he went into the weight room. And he hit the weights and pumped iron. I know because I met him one night in a restaurant. I got him to sign a birthday card for my mother. And when he reached out to sign it, his arm looked like Popeye. And I was afraid to say anything but thank you. (laughs) This rough, grisly, mid-40s guy who threw no hitters when everybody else had retired because of discipline. Paul said, I discipline my body and I make it obey me. Now, there are three areas in life where we've got to have discipline. I want you to say them with me. Time, our will, and our emotions. Say it again. Our time, our will, and our emotions. Now, I'm going to deal with just one of them briefly today, time. I want you to think about time for a minute. Somebody once wrote a song, and I love these lyrics. Time is too slow for those who wait. Too swift for those who fear. Time is too long for those who grieve. Time is too short for those that laugh. We say that time is something you can spend, you can invest, or you can waste. We talk about time like we talk about money. You can spend it, invest it. Waste it. Squander it. Because time like money has value. But I'll tell you what, if you offered me a million dollars or a year, I'd take the year. But what does the Bible say about time? What does the Bible say about time? The Bible says, first of all, that time is a gift. And I want you to remember that. Time is a gift. Time is a gift. I am so thankful that I woke up today and I could breathe. I'm thankful to be in front of you preaching the Word of God. God has given me right now. I have now. Don't have yesterday, don't have tomorrow, but I've got now. And it's a gift. James said to those who took time for granted, listen to what he said. He said, look here, you people who say, today or tomorrow we're going to go to such and such a city, stay there a year and open up a profitable business, buy and sell and make money. Then he says, how do you know what's going to happen tomorrow? For the length of your lives is as uncertain as the morning fog. Now you see it, now you don't. Here today, gone tomorrow. Your life is but a vapor that appears for a little time and vanishes away. Job said, our life is as fast as a weaver's shuttle. We are very brief in our lifetime. Here's what James said. Here's wisdom. What you ought to be saying is, if the Lord allows it. We will live and do this or do that if the Lord allows it. I am so glad today that God has allowed me a day to preach. How many of you are glad that God has given you today? But today is a gift. Today is a gift. We're born, we live, we die. It happens very quickly. It's a blink. It's a camera flash sandwiched in two, between two eternities. Time is a gift from God. It's a gift, and you take it as a gift. And the second thing the Bible says about time is time is to be used wisely. Time is to be used wisely. It's not to be squandered. It's to be used. It's not to be taken for granted. It's to be used. I used to see my future like an endless ocean stretching over the horizon. You ever just stood and looked at an ocean, and it's infinite? I used to see my future that way. It just was there and there, and I had all the time in the world. But then you hit 
50. You know, I've been 40 for 14 years. For some people, it's 40, some 45, some 50, but whatever it is, you hit a certain age where you realize your life is brief. Decades go by like that. I can't believe it. I started my first church in 1983. I was 30. It seems like a blink to me that I'm standing here today. And you know what? If you blink like that again, I'm in my 70s. I don't want to blink, but it's going to blink for me. Now I see my life like I'm in a boat and I'm crossing a pond and I'm going from point A to point B, from birth to death. And right now I'm I'm really right at about two-thirds of the way across the pond. About the first third I played, second third I studied it. The third third, I've made up my mind, it's going to count for God I want to live for God, leave a mark for God. I want people's lives to be changed because I preach the word of God. I want to live for him and glorify him because I see the distant shore in a haze and I can almost hear the singing from that place. And I know that every day is taking me closer to it. And I'm okay with that as long as I redeem my time and don't take it for granted. Because we're all headed towards that shore, like it or not. And one day we'll land there. And the Lamb's face will be the light that lights up that place like the sun. And the saints will be there. Timothy, Paul, James, John, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. They're all waiting on the other side. And we're in the boat. And we're crossing across. Now the question is, what are you going to do with your time? Are you going to redeem it? Paul says, live life then with a due sense of responsibility, not as people who do not know the meaning of life, but as those who do. So make the best use of your time. Make the best use of your time in these evil days. Harness time and make time serve your purpose. Make the best use of your time. He says, live life. Let me ask you a question. Have you laughed this week? No, not not me. I I seek God. Let me tell you, if you seek God, you've been laughing some. Because the God that I know has a sense of humor. And he gives us joy unspeakable and full of glory. And he puts a smile on our face, not a frown. He doesn't furrow your brow. He puts a sparkle in your eye. Have you laughed this week? Kathy and I have a habit. We go through the comics. She goes through the comics every day. If one makes her laugh out loud, she cuts it out. She puts it on the refrigerator. And we have a refrigerator that is comic graffiti. And anytime we feel like we haven't laughed enough, we just go and we look at that refrigerator. We find some joke that made us laugh and we laugh. We love to laugh deep and hard. Laugh. You ought to be laughing some. It is good like a medicine to your spirit. Are you laughing? When was the last time you told people in your circle that you loved them? When was the last time you just sat down and said, you know, I love you because time is short and in a moment your loved ones can be taken away from you or you taken away from them. Today is a gift. We don't know what tomorrow may bring. That's why Paul says, live life. Live it to the glory of God. And can I give you some news today to live life and have fun? You don't have to smoke it, drink it, shoot it, snort it, or anything else. You can just get filled with the Holy Ghost and enjoy life through Christ. 
at our little gathering the other night, somebody told me there was a visitor there who doesn't know the Lord and doesn't walk with God, and they walked away very impressed that we could have a good time as Christians. See, your face is the greatest billboard in the world. And when somebody sees you full of joy and full of peace, they want your God. So can you say with me, time is a gift. Can we stand together? Holy habits come from a decision. You can change your life by deciding you're going to do it through the power of God. Watch for God-given opportunities and grab hold of them. Make time serve your purpose and never take it for granted. Father, I thank you for discipline, that the Holy Spirit is in us to help us to be disciplined, to have self-control so that we can achieve the dreams you've put in our heart. And Father, help us to develop holy habits to the glory of God. Now, as Steve comes to play, I want you to take just a moment, and I want you to think, where does God want me to have self-control? Where has he been speaking to me? And I want you to decide today, say, Lord, I'm going to sow a thought into an action, and I'm going to repeat that action until it becomes a habit, and that habit's going to begin to shape my character. And that character is going to decide where I am five years from now. You pray while Steve plays and give it to God in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord.